On this episode of Girls on Film, I talk about stripping with two women who know a thing or two about it. Oh, and the guy that bought her a laptop, like I know so many strippers who've had their laptops bought for them by customers. Really? (laughs) They like to think that they're making a genuine contribution to our lives rather than just giving us money because we might just spend that on shoes (laughs) or food. Plus, I chat with film programmer and writer Grace Barber Plenty about hustlers and reframing the fat body and share more recommendations for your feminist viewing pleasure. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith, and this week we're discussing the film Hustlers, now on Amazon Prime Video. Hustlers follows a crew of strip club employees who band together to turn the tables on their Wall Street clients. Directed by Lorraine Scafaria, it's inspired by a true story and stars Constance Wu as Destiny, a young stripper who befriends the experienced Romana, played by Jennifer Lopez. You know Diamond from the Bronx, right? What's up, baby? We're going to help her learn how to do a, a real dance. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm good at that. Show what you got. I don't want to be dependent on anybody. I just want to be able to take care of my grandma, maybe go shopping every once in a while. These Wall Street guys. You want them drunk enough to get their credit card, but sober enough to sign a check. We first reviewed Hustlers with Ingrid Oliver and Trisha Tuttle in episode 21. Now we're taking a deep dive into the world of strip clubs with two feminist strippers and a film programmer. My first guest is Grace Barber Plenty, who's programmed a series of fascinating films for the Barbican in London. Grace, welcome to Girls on Film. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, we're here to talk about hustlers, but first, do tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. So I am a freelance film programmer and writer. I've written for publications that I'm now going to forget the names of. Sight and Sound, BFI, Little White Lies, among others. And I used to run a film club called Real Good Film Club, which focused on diversity in film. And I'm just kind of continuing doing that as a solo programmer now. Excellent. And yeah, on the diversity front, tell us more about a season you're working. It's not so much a season, is it? It's a night of films, reframing the fat body. That's right. Yeah. So in a sense, it kind of is a season but it's not necessarily a season that I'm solely programming so it's through the Barbican's Emerging Curators Lab which is a lab that was set up this summer it was initially meant to be in person but obviously the pandemic happened so it was a week-long series of events via Zoom where a selection of us had to pitch a film program essentially on the topic Inside Out And we had a week-long kind of series of discussions, group discussions, presentations from people at the Barbican to kind of take these small ideas that we've had and then develop them into what could be a programme presented at Barbican. And I started the process knowing that I wanted to do something on fat bodies in film. 
it's a big passion project of mine I just think it's not something that we necessarily see enough of and I think while there is further that we can go in terms of diversifying films to represent fat people I do actually think that the films are out there already especially in terms of short films and throughout the Emerging Curators Lab my mind kind of focused in more on just kind of looking at the amazing short films that have been made in the last few years from across the world from people of different ethnicities different genders different sexualities and I just wanted to really bring these all together to kind of reframe the way that we look at fat bodies and screen. It's a very interesting title what kind of discussions did you have about using the word fat? Well I was really fortunate in terms of the Barbican team were all really supportive. I understand that I suppose it's a very direct word and it's something that people consider to be provocative but um, within kind of the fat community it is the preferred term, it's preferred over terms like obese and plus size which are usually used by people that aren't in the fat community themselves if that makes sense so I consider it to be an empowering term and it's just it's it's a statement it's a fact I suppose there's no kind of language clouding it or hiding it like these are films about fat people and I think yeah it's representative language. Now one of the short films called Dangerous Curves I've seen it it's great it's about a pole dancer what impressed you about this one why did you choose it? To be honest I'm so impressed by the sheer feat of pole dancing regardless I just think it's an act of such physical strength especially core strength which I have none of so I'm so envious (laughs) of anyone that can do that kind of thing and then to see someone that actually looked like me someone that was fat someone that was black just owning the pole and owning pole dancing and kind of wanting to do that but also use it in a community way you can't tell me there is a single woman in the world who at some point or another does not want to feel like a beautiful sex goddess. Not saying that has to be your only identity, but for five goddamn minutes on stage, you're the one that everyone's cheering for. The pole dance that the film is focused on is called Roz the Diva Maze and she puts on these events where she showcases pole dancers that look like her. So I love the way that she's kind of combining activism and just this amazing like physical feat and just looking so incredible while she does it. Well I would encourage people to seek it out. Remind us when people can watch these films at the Barbican. So I'm absolutely crossing my fingers that hopefully the event can take place this year. And if it does, it will be on the 5th of December at the Barbican Cinema. And if not, hopefully next year. Well, fingers tightly crossed indeed. And um, of course, the pole dancing theme segues us nicely into Hustlers, which also features Lizzo as a pole dancer. Did you embrace that as a positive casting move? Yeah, absolutely. I think everything Lizzo does, well, I say most things Lizzo does, (laughs) are amazing and I was really pleasantly surprised when I saw the film because she's just such a natural on screen and she's just a great actress. I think it would have been interesting with Hustlers if perhaps they had sought out people like Ros the Diva, people that already were pole dancers, to be in the film, to be fat pole dancers because obviously Cardi B is in the film and she was a pole dancer for several years so that kind of 
feels like more authentic casting. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a fictionalised version of events and obviously they want people that can act and they want stars. So I think it is a really good casting move. Well, talking of stars, I mean, J-Lo in this film is just extraordinary. Everyone I know that's seen it is just on their jaw on the floor. What did you think of her performance? I think this was the third time she was robbed of an Oscar nomination. Yeah. I actually, I love J-Lo as an actress. I do love her as a musician as well, but maybe less so compared to her acting work. I just think like over the years, she's just like solidly delivered. Like she's amazing in Selena. She's amazing and out of sight. And she's just so, so good in this. What else did you enjoy about Hustlers? I am not so much of a based on a true story kind of person. And I just think the way that this film was done was just so engaging and also really moving. I think it's a love story at the end of the day and it manages to do that rare thing that I don't think we see enough of in cinema of showing that female friendship is a form of love and it's such a powerful bond. And I just thought that was really beautiful. I agree. I think that the scene where you first see, you know, Destiny bonding with J-Lo's amazing character is quite moving and sweet, you know, come snuggle under my fur coat, you know, and all that. <laughs> There's a real sense of intimacy there. And this is a celebration of female friendship in some ways, of course, not giving too many spoilers away, people haven't yet seen it, but it does go rather sour. But it is a case of women working together in difficult circumstances and kind of really getting through it thanks to the camaraderie and the friendship and helping each other. Because you so often see in these kind of films is that everyone's horribly competitive and not helping each other, but they really help each other. They train each other up, don't they? Exactly. It's completely different to a film like Showgirls, which obviously is made by a male director, really uses the male gaze. I know it's obviously an iconic film for various reasons, but I think, yeah, there really is that note of sourness in that film. And it is women literally pushing each other down flights of stairs to get ahead. Yeah, quite. Whereas in this, like, there's a period of time where the characters haven't seen each other. And as soon as they see each other again, they're like, where have you been? Why didn't you let me help you? I could have supported you. And it's just that enduring love. And even when, you know, they do have to make these difficult decisions, they're still kind of doing it out of a place of, like, looking out for each other. And now... Let's welcome to the main stage, the one, the other, Ramona. Is there a scene that sticks in your mind the most as one of your particular favourites? I mean, it's an obvious one, but I do think J-Lo's first dance that she does in the film to Criminal by Fiona Apple is just incredible. It's obviously so physically demanding doing that. But also, like we were touching on earlier, I just love seeing Constance Wu's character. The way that she looks at her, I just love when films aid was to capture that kind of instant connection of falling in love, but in terms of uh, friendship. Mm. And I think that's done so beautifully. Like the way Destiny just looks at her, you can just see she's so impressed and in love with her instantly. Well, we do see a lot of films about bromance and not so many about women bonding with each other, especially in the workplace. I think that's a really good point. I think obviously there are films, you have to go a bit further back, films like Nine to Five. Oh, great choice. That's a kind of a female friendship workplace comedy. But then even then they're scheming to kill their boss and it's still kind of centering a man. Whereas I think as well, a trade that's so kind of looked down upon and stigmatised and judged 
you know, no one else is going to help these people out. So they're helping themselves and they're helping each other. Anyone else's performance that particularly impressed you in this one? Because it's got a great ensemble cast, actually. It really does. I think Kiki Palmer is so funny in this. And I just want, I mean, she's already a viral sensation from the meme of her that was doing the rounds last year. But I just think she's such a talented comedic actress. So I just really hope we see more of her in the future. We're talking to some feminist strippers in this episode about depictions of their profession in cinema. Are there any others that stand out for you, good or bad? So I've actually been watching recently a show that's just been on telly this year. I think it started during lockdown, P-Valley. I think you can watch it on Amazon Prime through Stars. But it's like kind of combining like Southern Gothic with a similar kind of vibe to Hustlers all about women that work in a strip club but what it does so well is it really shows it's showing the inner lives of all these characters and they're all from very different walks of life but it really really focuses on the art of pole dancing and the physicality of it this is incredible scene I think it's in the first episode where one of the um, main characters Mercedes is performing this jaw-dropping routine and the music cuts and you can just hear her like inching herself up the pole like you can hear the squeaking and you can hear her breathing and her like tensing and struggling and it's just incredible and it just shows that it really is it's a sport it's something that should be treated in the same way as we treat like gymnastics and things like that it's incredible absolutely my club got everything that a man need what's your name autumn night you got potential you ain't ready yet. If it's one thing I know how to sell. It's an experience. What else have you been watching, whether or not it involves pole dancing? Uh, anything good you'd recommend? Yeah, sadly, that's my uh, that's my limit on pole dancing. Um, <laughs> well, it's a good one. I'm going to make a note of that. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, that's been my main pole dancing viewing over lockdown. Um like everyone else in the world, I am really excited to be digging into Steve McQueen's Small Axe. So I watched the first episode, Mangrove, and I'm just so excited for the rest of the series. The two that I've seen so far are just absolutely incredible. Tell us a bit more about that, because I've seen Mangrove. So it's a series of five films. It's technically a TV show, but they're all of varying lengths. I think Mangrove is the longest, at about two hours. And they're just... Um, Films about the British Caribbean community uh, from the 60s to the 80s, I think, covering such a wide range of subjects. So Mangrove is about protests. Lover's Rock is literally all set around a house party. And it's just this really beautiful, uh, evocative love story. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Can't recommend it enough. Our producer Jane was saying the same thing. So that's two great recommendations. Thank you. (laughs) Anything else you wanted to share with the girls on film listeners? Because everyone's kind of stuck at home at the moment. If I'm okay to do a little plug. You can plug what you like. So speaking of small acts, my friend, a critic called Rogan Graham, and I have set up some community forums for the Black British and just kind of the entire diaspora to just come every week and talk about the issues that are raised in small acts. And we've got some really special guests joining us. So we've got journalist Leila Latif, Anthony from We Are Parable. We've got some really wonderful people that are going to come kindly give up their free time and just yeah have a chat basically that sounds great so where can people find that 
I believe if they go onto Eventbrite and search Small Axe Community Forums, it'll come up. And if not, I'm on Twitter at Grace Simone and there should be a link easily found on my Twitter page. Nice one. Well, it's been so lovely to chat with you. Thanks for talking about hustlers and reframing the fat body and other fun stuff. And also 9 to 5. Any mention of 9 to 5 makes me happy. So thanks. Yes. (laughs) Always got to be watched. Thanks a lot, Grace. Thank you so much. To find out more about reframing the fat body, go to barbican.org.uk. My next guests are Stacey Clare and Cheeky Love, who are both experienced strippers and activists. Stacey and Cheeky, welcome to Girls on Film. Hi. Hi. It's lovely to have you both on. We're going to chat about movies, but I would first like to ask you both more about your work. Now, Cheeky, I've seen you perform. You're absolutely amazing. When did it all start for you and how would you describe your job? Well, I started back in 2002 because I was broke (laughs) and I realized that I was a terrible waitress, but I'm a very good stripper. (laughs) And then from them, I have danced in London, in Australia, Spain, and now I'm currently living in Berlin. And you're part of a collective in Berlin, is that right? Yes. So um, me and Stacey, we started back in London with the East London Strippers Collective. And then I came to Berlin a couple of years ago and I've met girls that were similar personalities, very creative, fun and also willing to work together and do stuff together. So we founded the Berlin Collective. (laughs) Excellent. And Stacey, tell us more about your work and the East London Strippers Collective. Yeah, so it's really cool to have like a sister organisation over in Germany. Cheeky and I used to work together in a venue in East London, so that's how we got to know each other. And the collective was set up in response to changes in licensing and policy around the way strip clubs were run around about 2009. And we saw conditions just gradually getting worse and workers' rights just not being respected. So we thought we'd try and set up a collective to empower performers and see what we could do. Congratulations, because it's definitely got a high profile. I mean, Cheeky, you've said to me before that you feel that people's images of strippers has maybe changed or people become a little bit more aware of the rights and the industry in the last 10 years. Is that right? Yeah, I've noticed a change in how the press approaches. Like, I remember they used to ask us questions like, how much money did you make for a day? Uh, How annoying are the customers? And I was like, okay, this is rude. And lately, in the recent interviews that we had, we had people approaching us like, oh, what's your mission? Uh, How exciting is your collective? Uh, What is the most proud things that you are doing at the moment? And, you know, so the questions have changed and they have made us a bit more human, which I really appreciated. And I think the new generation of people interviewing us, they tend to be quite young in their 20s and it's this whole sex positive approach. I feel like the image of strippers and erotic performers has changed, definitely. That's really encouraging to hear, actually. Now, Stacey, I noticed that you did a TV show where the question on the screen was, can strippers be feminists? (laughs) I thought, duh, obviously. (laughs) What kind of conversations were you having around those kind of questions? Well, that question really comes out of the conflict between the radical feminist ideology and, I guess, the kind of sex positive or the pro-sex work ideology. Radical feminism takes the approach that you can't be a feminist if you support the sex industry or if you're a sex worker or if you don't sign up to the abolitionist framework, then, you know, you're not a real feminist. Whereas 
I think on the other side of that, you know, we would say that sex work is a kind of intersectional feminist issue, where if you consider feminism to be intersectional, as in it links up to Black Lives Matter and trans and sex workers' rights, and it's a class issue, it's a poverty issue, the fact is the majority of people who do sex work are women, and they do so because society hasn't given us a better deal. You know, people do sex work very often because they have less choice. And until we see a kind of society where women have as many choices, like, you know, if we have true gender equality, then we wouldn't see so many women turning to sex work. And I mean, I take that position that radical feminism, where they fight and campaign very hard to shut down the sex industry, that doesn't actually solve the problem because it drives it further underground. You can campaign to shut down a strip club, but you're then pushing people into further unregulated sex work. And the fact is, if you're kind of continuously criminalising sex work, you're setting up further problems, essentially. Yeah, and this whole idea of feminism, when they go like, feminism is about having choice and be whoever you want to be. Yeah, but don't be that. <laughs> like, hang on a minute. I think you just told me I can be the woman I want to be. I want to be this kind of woman. Yeah, don't be that kind of woman then. And I find that very conflictive. All these people telling us what not to do with our bodies, I think is the opposite of feminism. I presume, I mean, from what you say there, Chiki, you enjoy your work. Well, I do like the work itself, but I hate the working conditions. I hate most of the people that run it. I say most. There is a percentage that are really good at it. And I think after Corona, it actually got worse, at least here in Berlin. So even though I love pole dancing, I love the creativity of it. I love my friends that I have met through the industry. The working conditions actually has made me realize that I don't want to go back to dancing anytime soon unless I find a decent place to work, which I haven't seen in years. <laughs> yeah, I would second that. I mean, I've been saying for a long time that the work of stripping and sex work has this like potential to be very empowering, but the conditions that we inevitably end up working in are disempowering. So it's like you've got this kind of job that can feel amazing and can feel very, very powerful, but then you're performing or you're doing sex work in these kinds of unhelpful environments or working in clubs where, you know, your workers' rights aren't respected or your rights are sort of how you work, your agency, your autonomy in the workplace is not respected. So it has a lot to do with like the social architecture, the framework and policy, actually. It's like I've looked at legislation and how strip clubs are run and regulated has a lot to do with those conditions being created and so we are working hard to try and rectify some of those problems at a policy level. Chiki, you've been around the world a lot. Have you found that countries do really differ in terms of the conditions and is there anywhere that does it really well? Definitely. Uh, the best country I worked at was back in Australia in 2004. I think it really has to do with how the country see sex and sexuality you know like mm. Germany is a bit more open-minded somehow I feel uh, but in the UK it's still this huge taboo you know so um, there are places for example in the UK where you pay for work and uh, if you get a toilet that actually works you are lucky <laughs> or if you get toilet oh, paper there was a place that you had to <gasps> buy your own toilet paper no which was pretty ridiculous God. it really reflects how they treat sex workers with how the culture actually is that's really interesting Let's talk about how people perceive strippers based on their depiction in the movies. Is there any movies you feel that have done this well, either of you? 
Uh, there is one stripper character that I liked, and that was Marisa Tomei, uh, the wrestler. Oh, that was mine as well. Yeah, that's the best one. <laughs> she's good. She's good at boundaries, and and is very honest. I liked it. Yeah, I agree. They really humanized her. They gave her a storyline. They gave her this, you know, she's going to buy a coat for her daughter. And it was interesting, the scene where she is in the VIP room with the customer who then is a bit abusive right and then the wrestler who's in love with her kind of bowls in and goes shut the fuck up don't treat her like that and then she's like dude I needed that money like I've just lost a sale now thanks to you it was such a brilliant moment because it's like we don't want a savior yeah because we we have the savior complex guys I think you're awesome I think that you're a great guy she was the problem you think that I'm like the stripper and I'm not I'm a mom. I have responsibilities. I have a son. Anyway, you don't want that fucking luggage, so. What if I do? I can't go there. What about the other day? It was a mistake. It didn't feel like a mistake to me. The club and the real world, they don't mix. Yeah, well, I think that's a lot of bullshit because I think you still feel something. You're a customer, okay? You're a fucking customer. I don't go out with customers. You got it? What about showgirls? What do you think of showgirls? <laughs> oh my God, I think it's a comedy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God, I mean, that lap dance is aggressive. I'm like, I'm sorry for that guy's groin. That must have been painful. <laughs> I've never actually seen it, I have to confess, but everything I've heard about it is just like it was um, a film inspired entirely by cocaine. online review (laughs) yeah yeah we don't really tend to push any girls from down the stairs to be honest no okay i'm glad to hear that (laughs) yeah i get the impression that showgirls is someone else's idea of what a strip club is like which in fact is what most films are most representations of sex workers are someone else's idea of what sex work is yeah very very rarely is it like an accurate portrayal or representation Chiki, you mentioned to me that in Hustlers, you liked the bond between the women. And that's one of the things I liked about that film, too, is the fact that it really shows that kind of sisterhood, at least initially. How did you feel about it? Um, I went to see the film with a few of my friends here in Berlin because we hosted a few Q&A sessions after the film here in Berlin. And a few scenes we were crying because we felt quite identified, you know, like when we hug each other or when J-Lo is teaching someone's pole moves. I'm like, I've done that many times. <laughs> the same kind of a scene. Really? <laughs> uh, you know, like, oh, can you show me some pole moves? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll show you some pole moves. And I, I had the baby strippers because we also have our own terminology. When you have the newbies, you call them baby strippers. So that was pretty cool. Like, I did like the friendship between them because I think a club environment makes everything possible for you to actually people think that we hate each other you know because you have to compete you all want the money you all want the attention but somehow we managed to thrive and somehow we managed to build these really strong friendships because I feel like with my stripper friends are the only friends I can be 100% me I don't need to edit my job I don't need to edit if I had a bad experience with somebody if I had a good experience with somebody because I know they won't judge me I know that they see me as I am and know as a stripper or this or that so I thought that was really beautiful there you go. Just point your toes. Okay. There you go. Hold yourself up. I'm trying. <laughs> Try laying flat across on the tabletop. They all love seeing that. Makes you look strong. Okay. There you go. Yes. Yes. 
Okay. This does hurt my Can vagina. Can you grab your foot? There you go. This doesn't look sexy. You know sexy. what? Thumb up your butt almost. Thumb up my butt? You know how to do that. Wait, how do I go? Uh, uh, you're, back. you're not gonna Wait. fall. Straighten your legs out. Both Point your toes. Yes. Stacey, what did you think of the dancing in Hustlers? I thought J-Lo did a pretty good job myself. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely, arguably, one of the most iconic Hollywood representations of a stripper. I thought J-Lo's pole dance when she comes and does her stage show to the um, Fiona Apple tune. I remember watching that and I was just like, whoa. It was so good, like everything about it, like the costume they chose and the lighting. Yeah, she looks hot. Yeah. I remember a few girls dancing to that after, like that became quite a popular song. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> In a way, I was like proud, you know, to be, yeah, a stripper and to see that on the big screen and to know that that's like a major Hollywood depiction. And that was, yeah, probably one of the best things about the film for me. I thought all of the scenes that were actually shot in the club and the effort they went to to try and get the representation accurate, just the production of the club scenes was very, very accurate, I thought. And I think with the customers too, like there was a couple of scenes with the customers we all kind of relate to, you know, like the annoying guys and the guy that was really drunk and he's like, <laughs> and you're getting all those no's in an eye, you know, and you're getting a bit frustrated. That, so that was, that was pretty accurate, yeah. Oh, and the guy that bought her a laptop like, I know so many strippers who've had their laptops bought for them by customers. Really? <laughs> well, it's part of that thing of, like, customers feeling like they want to be saving us from something. And, like, buying a laptop eases their conscience right. because then yeah. they're like, I'm helping someone get through an education or, you know, kind of moving up in the world. Like, they like to think that they're making a genuine contribution to our lives rather than just giving us money because right. we might just spend that on shoes <laughs> <laughs> or food. <laughs> that goes again hand in hand with that stigma, right? So if the public just believes that sex workers are all drug addicts or shopping addicts or irresponsible or, you know, victims in some way, then there's all these kinds of like negative connotations about handing cash. Mm. Same reason people don't like to give cash to homeless people, right? It's like, can you make sensible decisions about your own life and, you know, spend this money wisely? And the more stigma there is around our jobs, then there's that kind of problematic relationship with the client base where they want to feel good about paying for sexual services. Whereas we don't think the same things when we tip a waiter in a restaurant. Exactly. We don't exactly. think to ourselves, well, are you going to be spending that money properly? But somehow sex workers have got this kind of, you know, victimhood narrative yeah. that goes along with the job and that makes our job harder. What would you like to see more of in the movies in terms of the depiction of strippers on film? Oh, can I answer that one? Go for it. <laughs> I would like to see a follow up to Hustlers, Hustlers 2, right, where J-Lo and the dancers from the club all go on a women's rights march to the City <laughs> Hall and, <Brilliant. laughs> and set up a petition <laughs> and they turn up with placards that say sex workers work and they work with the trade union and they take their club boss to court and win workers' rights. I'd love to see a film where strippers and sex workers are fighting for their rights 
because that hasn't been seen and as far as I can see that's happening all over the world right now I yes. mean there's a movement the sex workers rights movement has been going since the 1980s and it has not been shown like that is not mainstream culture that's not made it into the mainstream ideology of who sex workers are and the fact is that you know there's a large number of sex workers all over the world people working tirelessly to establish rights and protections for sex workers and to improve policy so that we are protected so that you know things go wrong there is a framework for us to access our rights which can't happen if our work is criminalized right so that's what i want to see oh i think we should make it happen <laughs> yeah it will be cool and also i would like to see more of the actual struggles of the workplace you know like because everybody have this idea that we make all this money and it's easy and it's like no it's definitely not easy well, we have a lot of filmmakers listening, so I hope some of them pick up on this idea and do something with it <laughs> and consult the right people. Definitely. That would be really cool. I think that was one of the things that Hustlers did actually get right in a weird way. They managed to depict the impact of the global economic crisis and how that had an immediate effect on, you know, strip club culture where there was all this kind of disposable income being thrown around and bankers bonuses and all the city boys were all, you know, it was like a real free for all for a while. And then for them to show that change of like, there was that last one good night and then within weeks, the club's dead and suddenly everyone's hustling hard and it suddenly turns into this real hard place to function. Mm. You know, I, kind of got my own feelings about where I feel like the narrative then becomes about the ways that those performers then respond to that change of circumstances. There's a change in the economic climates and the way they respond to that is by going off and going rogue and getting involved in sort of like organized kind of criminality. And it's, yeah, it's fun to watch. And yeah, it's kind of, we all like to think of this kind of Robin Hood effect of like, well, you know, they're kind of taking back control and, doing it on their own terms but in fact I know from personal experience that had those women been protected had they had workers rights had they had contracts had they had access to social support to be able to kind of claim help from the state financial support if they're up against financial hardship I totally agree you know the, the takeaway message of the film is don't do sex work because it will lead to bad things so bring on the sequel that you mentioned I think <laughs> definitely yeah and also I'm very tired of this image of sex work equals criminality. Mm, like many of my friends are sex workers and they're normal people. <laughs> Just such, I don't know what normal means, but I don't know that comes across the word normal, you know. And I'm tired of being called a criminal because I don't feel I'm doing anything wrong. At the end of the day, we're entertainers. Maybe we're wearing less clothes than other entertainers, but we're entertainers nevertheless. And to be honest, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm more of a therapist than I'm an actually a sex worker. <laughs> it's funny because in sex work, the, the least thing you do is actual sex. <laughs> the more you do is therapy and a lot of talk. And it's <laughs> like, <laughs> and then they call you a criminal and you're like, how? That's weird. You know, what about the countless numbers of sex workers who are just doing a job? Right. Just paying their rent. They're doing work that they consider to be perfectly valid, perfectly honest, perfectly legitimate. And that is not portrayed. Weirdly, you know, funnily enough, one of the most interesting representations of the sex worker I can think of is the brothel in Shameless, you know, the <laughs> Channel 4 series Shameless. Oh, yeah. That weirdly to me is one of the most honest, the way that they 
portray that from this very, very working class culture where it's just like, yeah, there's the local brothel mm -hmm. and it's the most normal, just like it's, it's as normal as the local shop. And that's kind of, that is actually how it is in sex work for a lot of us. It's kind of, you know, this is as normal as going to Tesco's. I'm going to have to revisit that. Things like Magic Mike and the Full Monty male stripper films seem to have been more sort of celebrated in the mainstream than films about female strippers. Would you agree? Definitely, of course. It's just kind of part of the same double standards of, you know, seeing how women and men are sort of seen differently. Historically, men have had more agency in the world. So if a man becomes a stripper, we've got this kind of cultural core belief that he of course chose to do that whereas if a woman becomes a stripper then she must be responding to some kind of hardship or poverty or you know something's gone wrong in someone's life if they've become a sex worker compared to a man again those representations just keep those stereotypes alive what about a film about a male sex worker who is a single dad who's got kids to feed and I mean I suppose to some extent that's what the full Monty was about in fact that was an interesting take on that because they were responding to the mines closing and the financial hardship at the time so I suppose the full Monty is a slightly different thing and I have more respect for that than Magic Mike. Few years and men won't exist we're not needed no more are we? Obsolete. They were about to lose everything they worked for. You're not our foreman anymore you're just like the rest of us. Scrap. Everything they loved. We're finished dead. Dinosaurs. Now, these six unemployed factory workers are training for it, planning for it, and going all the way. What else have um, you both been watching in lockdown? Have you been catching up with any movies and TV series lately? It would be embarrassing for me to divulge how much television I've actually been watching. <laughs> Yesterday I watched Bombshell and it talks about sexual harassment in the workplace, obviously Fox News. I really enjoyed it, so I highly recommend it. We're going to do a special episode on that soon, so um, you have to check back in and listen to that because, um, yeah, we're fans of that film as well. I've heard there's a couple of good series lately about sex workers. There's one called Harlots. Yes, that's quite fun. Samantha Morton. And there's another one called The Juice. Oh, don't know that one. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Do you know what, Cheeky? I think maybe we should set up like a sex worker film and TV club for us to like watch loads of stuff together and then like get together and talk about it afterwards <laughs> i would love it nice yes. maybe you can come back on the podcast and discuss it as well because you guys have yes. been fantastic <laughs> guests how can listeners support what you do stacy and contribute so there's a number of ways like really just kind of following us online is one way and um, we run a mutual aid fund as well so at the moment all strip clubs in the uk are shut so we've got a mutual aid fund to support dancers and um, we've paid out £1,700 in grants oh, so wow. far since COVID hit in supporting members of our community who are struggling. And um, so that's, yeah, donations are always welcome. You can visit our website, East London Strippers Collective, to find out more about the fund. And also just really doing research, finding out more about sex workers' rights, because it will differ from country to country as well. You know, what Cheeky's up against may be slightly different to what we're dealing with over here and um, so that listeners around the world could do better to find out who are their local sex worker run organizations that's important if it's not run by sex workers then it's maybe questionable about you know the agenda I mean sex workers fight for their own rights 
we are best placed to do that, not necessarily people who advocate for us. That's an interesting point, yeah. And next time somebody says, I'm a stripper, don't go, how much you make a night? You just go like, oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) You have been such fascinating and funny and enlightening guests. Thank you so much to both of you, Cheeky and Stacey. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I was born a flex. Diamonds on my neck. Yes, girl! I like more than sex. We didn't do anything wrong. I like more than sex. Is he dead? You know, Tony wouldn't let this happen. I'm gonna text him. Who gave her her phone back? Are you in? You can watch Hustlers on Prime Video now. And do feel free to drop us a line and let us know what you thought about it or anything we've discussed in this programme. You can follow and message us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. You can find the addresses in the episode description. Also, do check out our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review us too and check out our awards show with 16 Days, 16 Films on the 16th of December 2020. Girls on Film was brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, producer Jane Long, assistant producer Heather Dempsey, intern Eliana Jay, and Amazon Prime Video, our partners for this episode. You've been listening to me, Anna Smith, and I was joined by Cheeky Love, Stacey Clare and Grace Barber Plenty. See you soon and stay safe, everyone. Where's your coat? I left it inside. Yeah. Climbing my fur.